0: Good afternoon, everyone. This is another episode of the Off Topical Podcast. I think this is episode 56. Uh, My name is Gardner. And I'm Ryan. And uh, we are going to be having a great show today. What are we talking about today, Ryan?
1: Well, uh, we've got some news about China and the Great Firewall and China's Internet, quote unquote. (laughs) Uh, We've got a piece about uh, CREDA and some ransomware that was targeted towards content creators. And then we've got a uh, piece about some reverse-engineered game code for uh, GTA 3 that has been taken off of GitHub and then put back on GitHub and the controversy around that. And then uh, we're going to talk about... Vivaldi um, becoming the default browser on Monjero Linux, uh, Cinnamon Edition. And then finally, uh, because I work for the, with the Thunderbird team, I'm going to share a little bit of news about what we're doing over there.
0: Awesome, awesome. Uh, cool. If you guys uh, like the show, make sure that you like follow the RSS feed or head over to any of your favorite places. We've, we're even on YouTube. Uh, follow us on there because the show's every week coming at you for the rest of, the, of time. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> sounds good so uh the first story on on the docket today my friend we're talking about um how china wants the internet to become more civilized by always reflecting marxist values um what is this about exactly
1: well my first question is is it china or is it china china i've heard i've heard it both ways I've heard yeah it both ways. Uh, I, I think you could go uh, either way <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh yeah as as uh i'm sure our audience because uh we have a lot of smart people in our audience who are up with this stuff knows china has kind of its own internet um not just kinda uh, via the great firewall and in a lot of ways in which they've architected their networks uh they have a lot of control over the internet and they have sensors who uh to take content off of uh the chinese internet uh that doesn't fit with the state's ideals for what should be on there, and uh apparently they are trying to make the internet more quote unquote civilized by um removing content that doesn't reflect marxist values and mm. i put I put quotes around those, but they're not they're not putting quotes around those like they're they legitimately. <laughs> Are right. serious about
0: basically, it. you have to toe the party line if you're going to post anything on the internet right. in China. Which, you know, th- that sounds like a good a good thing to do, right? You know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I think like first off, um, so I I listened to a, a whole series on the Great Firewall. I think it was last year, and um, it was both amazing, like as a technical uh, feat. what they were able to build. But it was also really sad because it actually was a bunch of Western companies helping China build the Great Firewall back whenever they started building it. And what I think it was like the nineties or something. Yeah. And, and so that ultimately like now they have this amazingly complex infrastructure that they're actually able to really control, uh, at a significant level, what, Uh, their citizen see on the internet. Yeah. And, uh, and the, that's insane. (laughs) It's insane how, how much they're able to censor, you know, what people, what people see and, and what people see is what exposes them to like new ideas and new ways of thinking about things. And so I think this is just a, you know, further, cracking down on what what kind of expression can happen on China's internet. And uh, yeah. I really, I don't love this at all. No. Um, I know that, like, from my own experience, although I won't say where, but I'm sure people can figure it out, uh, you know, even companies that operate in China to any degree, you always have to be really careful about what kind of products you even you know, ex, uh expose people to right. you know, in China. And uh and it's it's the shame. It's a shame because you know
0: Well it's, it, a, it's curious to me, right? Because it's like you have so many companies, you know, Western companies that are like Oh, we we got to get into the Chinese market. We got to get into the Chinese market, and they're willing to do all this stuff and jump through all these hoops. Like you know, Disney, they're willing to like change major parts of their movies, censor themselves yeah. uh, for to 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 get into the Chinese market. A- and then you look at something like Tencent, where you know I, I think it was two weeks ago, China started just cracking down on Tencent and starting to like take parts of Tencent and nationalize them. Because they didn't like yeah. how Tencent like was being operated. And it's like these companies are so focused on getting into the Chinese market and like getting access to all the these Chinese consumers. And they're not even thinking about like the implications of subjugating themselves to the fickle whims of an authoritarian government. And it's like yeah. I don't understand how they could not see this unless they just don't care. Um yeah. the, the thing that's like really crazy to me too is like this Uh, The report that was on like a bunch of different uh, state sponsored websites uh, basically says that they're constructing a new uh, censorship mechanism that's meant to bury rumors. It's called the uh, China Internet Joint Rumor Refusal Platform, Uh, and it's basically a uh, it's a fact checking service that is meant to offer alternative facts. Um, Oh my gosh. It's insane. Like, I don't understand how people could, can put up with this. Like I, I, dude, I don't get it. It, It's yeah. Sorry. Go ahead.
1: I mean, honestly, the people don't, I mean, there's the the problem. And when they don't, they, they end up in a, you know, in a black bag. Um, Right. And that's, that's unfortunate, but that is the reality. Um, although you know you have these really interesting stories where the uh, lots of Chinese people will find ways around the censorship, like they'll they'll use alternative words, yeah. you know, for instead of like whatever the word that's being censored is, in right. order to try and, like and calling, share this
0: stuff, like calling Xi Jinping Winnie the Pooh.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And but so, this is th- uh, this
0: this whole initiative. Is even meant like meant to crack down on the use of internet slang?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, ultimately, I think that it's a double-edged sword, and and I don't know if it'll actually come back to uh, hurt China, uh, the Chinese government, yeah. in any way. But I feel like I feel like there's always kind of a trade-off you make when you try and censor freedom of expression and uh and the trade-off that is made is in in the terms of creativity and innovation and so you know they China and we'll go into geopolitics only for a second <laughs> but China wants to be the preeminent power in the world they want to be the the <laughs> you know most the biggest economy in the world which they probably will end up being in some in some way but but ultimately like creativity and innovation is born in an environment of uh free expression yeah and so i think ultimately each step they take like this ha- does have its risks to their ability to uh really be become a premier uh economy in the world to become a premier a place where people want to do business and and uh and you see like you know google pulled out a while back because of because of multiple things censorship and forced technology transfers but i think even their talent inside the country uh if you're really a top tier what what is it developer um Entrepreneur, etc. You're gonna think twice, you know, about about sticking around, or you, you know, and you might consider going somewhere else to start your company or build your build your software because because of you know the the environment. No, um, and so uh, I I'm I'm always watching this. Uh, th- this is actually my one of my unhealthy like obsessions is is uh, reading about totalitarian governments mm. and authoritarian governments yeah and uh i've been watching this uh for for a few years and uh, and uh i'm curious to see if they can continue their their pace of like growth when they continue to to crack down uh yeah especially on technology companies lately
0: but yeah. we'll see I, I think that there's like I mean like you said there's a trade off I think that might not be the right word though I think like there's only so much that, that um, Beijing can kind of crack down on free expression until like people f- revolt from it you know like uh, for example like um, like Winnie the Pooh for example they they banned Winnie the Pooh for god's sakes it's like that that's going to happen every single day. Like these these censorship, this censorship initiative, it, people are going to try and get around it. And and like everything is going to get banned. Like you're not going to be able to use certain characters like you can't even like uh, use. You can't even talk about alpacas anymore in, in China because uh, they they were being the, the, the word for alpaca in Chinese was being used to make subversive puns.
1: yeah like well here's the deal too like uh okay so with the with the great firewall and and like the censorship of the internet you know ultimately what ends up happening i've heard this a couple times from people who have lived in china uh is a person will uh, a chinese person will want to access some form of content they'll use a VPN or some, some way to get around the great firewall and censorship, be exposed to a lot that they haven't been exposed to otherwise. And then, then you, then that it actually, yeah, it has this blowback because they begin to be like, okay, well, like, why is this censored? You know? And, and once you open that door, it's kind of like, like, uh, I don't know. It's kind of like people who have been in, you know, a cult or whatever. You start to question a lot of, a lot of things, and yeah. uh, and then it kind of, I don't know. It 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 breaks trust in your government institutions, and yep. I think that this is where ultimately, like this type of censorship. I think, I don't know. I don't know if it'll have enough this effect over the next ten years, but ultimately, this type of thing collapses on itself yeah unless they develop like a totalitarian ai that runs a robot army and then subjugates all (laughs) humanity
0: yeah or or they collaborate with uh facebook and make ray-ban sunglasses but we're not going to talk about that
1: (laughs) yeah ray-ban sunglasses that turn you into the borg
0: yeah exactly (laughs) um Yeah, so I want to know what you guys think out in the audience here. What do you think about this story? Uh, Have you read any of the uh, information coming out of China on this? Let us know. Hit us up. Uh, Send us an email. Show at offtopical.net Also, um,
1: talking about the Facebook stuff, just a very brief side yeah off topic yeah (laughs) i watched your video yeah and uh man you you got me like you got me that video got me i in what way if it 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 just like something about it like hit hit my feels
0: oh (laughs) okay cool it hit
1: me in the feels (laughs) i uh, i actually uh i saved the video and i i intended to and i still intend to send it to a few people because uh that was just an awesome. If it, for the audience if you haven't watched um Gardner's uh Facebook uh what is the video called? Do you know? Uh Off
0: I've changed the name a couple times. It's uh Facebook's sunglasses reveal a dangerous ambition.
1: Yeah. If you guys haven't watched that, go over and watch it. It's uh it actually made me think like you should be doing like a uh uh like almost like privacy documentary on YouTube. Uh, uh, dude. Because it's like that was actually legitimately like I could have watched that content for another 40 minutes, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I feel like it was just really well done. So I'm just telling the audience, if you haven't seen it, go watch that video. It's just, uh, it just lays out kind of what, I feel like it lays out the argument for why we need to just reject facebook at this point yeah that as the company is being run right now like it's just it's just not a company that respects its users and i'm not gonna buy your shitty sunglasses <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and I, I do have to apologize ryan because i wasn't I, I i hit you in the feels and i was aiming for your face so i'm sorry about that <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah well you know now i'm gonna spread i'm gonna spread that feel video all over the place so nice.
0: Um, have you ever used Krita, Ryan? Yeah. Or Krita. I've used it quite how, a lot, actually. How how, uh, how do you pronounce it? Is it Krita or Krita?
1: Krita. I say Krita. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the proper pronunciation is.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if you saw, um, I don't know if you got an email about this, but I sure did. Uh, there was an email that came in um, to my uh, like YouTube email address. Uh, And it said basically, hey, we are looking to uh, partner with you um, because you talk about like open source software. I think it said something about open source software. Um, And it was actually like it was written in really poor English, but it was uh, it was just convincing enough that I, I was like, oh, maybe Krita actually wants to partner with me. Of course they didn't, right? Like, of course they didn't. Like, if they're an open source project, they're not going to spend money on, like, marketing themselves on YouTube. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, so, but, like, the thing was, uh, let me see if I can pull this up, actually. I, I should have been prepared for this. Nope, I don't have it anymore. Um, but, yeah, basically, it, it came in and it was like, we want, uh, we want to partner with you. Uh, it's $350 per video. Uh, but if you have 10,000 to 800 or if you have 10,000 to 80,000 subscribers on YouTube, we will pay you $350 per video to get the, get the word out there about Krita. And I was like, Oh, that, that sounds like a great deal. Um, but like something didn't sit right. All right. So I, I, I went on their Twitter account. And the first thing I saw was a, a tweet that said, uh, "If you if you receive an email pretending to be from Krita, uh, don't reply because it's bullcrap. Like they we're not paying anyone to do any collaboration work." Um, so I was curious, and so I sent them an email back, <laughs> and essentially mm-hmm. it like it had it's there were like four steps, and basically what you had to do was download this app and there was a link to download the app and it was a zip file. And then what you would do is you would install the application and then you would uh, open up the help file and there would be, or the help you click help and then click about Krita. And they said, there'll be a little uh, collaborator ID and you can just email that back to us and we'll send you money. (laughs) And it's like, okay. Yeah. If anyone fell for that, like I would be surprised if someone fell for that. Like, yeah, at that point, like, uh, i don't even know like that's
1: super targeted too it,
0: it was very targeted and there was like a couple of like open sourcey linuxy youtubers who i had seen like tweeting at Krita after this saying like like what what is going on and and the thing is like these hackers uh these ransomware guys basically had bought uh Krita.io, uh and Krita.app, i think and the official Krita website is Krita.org. And they had done a bunch of work to, like, obscure their DNS records and, like, redirect, like, the basic Krita.io to the official website and all this stuff. So, like, I, I was, like, blown away. And and I'm wondering, it's like, I didn't download the-, the, you know, the malware package. But, like, if they knew to target, like, Linuxy and open source people... Was that tailored for like as Linux ransomware or was it like Windows ransomware? You know what I'm saying? Very, very interesting.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Well, if uh, if we find out anybody who, if they'll admit it at this point, if anybody installed this <laughs> and did all the stuff, I'd be super curious to know. <laughs>
0: yeah, me too. Like
1: how, how it all worked, but. Yeah, that's that's very strange. It's very strange to just target, like, essentially, like, open-source influencers. Or yeah. maybe not open-source influencers. I guess Krita is not just the open-source community. Right. So it's on Windows. Could be so... other people, but... Yeah. Yeah. And I know it's very popular lately. I've, I've had people who aren't in this space asking me, like, do you know about Krita? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and it, so, like, Krita? it's becoming even more popular
0: yeah Krita is like a really great app and i honestly wish that i had like learned how to use Krita instead of gimp just because Krita is more much more of like a drop-in replacement for photoshop you know like yeah. it has more of the it's not a drop-in replacement i mean you i don't think you would want that exactly but like Krita has more of a feature parody with Photoshop if that makes sense like layer blending which is something like mm-hmm. and I'm not talking like uh, like you know compositing I'm talking like layer blending where it'll the the software will automatically draw a stroke around you know a thing or apply a texture to a layer or, or whatever like that that kind of stuff is some of the stuff that I miss from Photoshop but like Krita has, it's also like more sensitive for like, uh, you know, pen input, um, than GIMP is, you know, um, Krita is kind of designed, like geared towards that kind of, uh, that kind of input where GIMP kind of just is like, oh yeah, it will emulate a mouse.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I know I, I, uh, the people who have been talking to me about it are illustrators Yeah, who are discovering creta and they're like hey you know like this is a really great app like have you heard of this before uh because they know it's open source and i'm like yeah this is a great app you should definitely use it and tell your illustrator friends to use it so it's way as far as mindshare goes um and ultimately even though this is a bit kind of a bad story i hope that it opens up the door for even more people to discover what a great app creta is
0: yeah absolutely Um, yeah, Creed is great. Okay. Well, do you want to
1: talk about, uh, GTA 3? Only (laughs) not GTA
0: 3? Yeah, yeah. So I've been following this story for a little while. Um, a couple of months back, uh, Take-Two Interactive went to GitHub and said, hey, GitHub, you need to take down all of these uh git repos which are uh, f- infringing on our copyright and these uh these repositories were hosting uh what is the n- what is the name of the uh the actual thing here oh no RE3 uh, yeah RE3 RE3 and uh RE Vice City which are basically uh, reverse engineering of GTA three and Vice City, um, and basically, so Take Two issued DMCA claims against RE three and Vice City uh, like reverse engineering projects, and there was a whole bunch of like forks of these open source projects, right? So. Mm-hmm. Take-Two issued these DMCAs, GitHub took the stuff down, but according to like the DMCA, you actually have a right to get your stuff reinstated if it's been filed erroneously, right? And the developers of these two projects believed that they were being filed erroneously because uh, in order for you to use RE3, you actually have to own the game on Steam, Um or or other, uh, you know, you have to have a copy of GTA Three. Um, and the link that they have on their GitHub is to the the Steam store. So you basically you need to own it on Steam in order if you want to play the game because they don't distribute the uh, the copyrighted uh, art assets of the game. None of the models, none of the textures, none of the you know uh, sprites. None of it is distributed. It's just code. So they said github we want our stuff reinstated cuz that's a baloney lawsuit or a baloney dmca claim and github restored them all um the the problem is now take 2 is suing the developers um and and that sucks like basically they're saying um that because the uh the the gta3 and vice city uh projects have been ported to other platforms like the switch um those are that is the that is a market that exclusively belongs to take two and so because of that uh it is prohibited in their terms of service and uh the reverse engineering is infringing on their copyright so they're suing them for copyright infringement um What what do you think about this, my friend?
1: Listen, I always consistently, okay, hear me out. Internet. (laughs) If you work at a company like Take-Two, listen to me for a second. You can call me. I'll be your consultant. I will help you handle this stuff better than, you know, suing random open source developers on the internet. Yeah. Like the the thing is that this is going to be a messy fight with a group of people who love their games and want to play them on platforms where they're not able to play them already and also in in experiment with the game and take the game further than the developer originally you know this these games are old yeah i played gta 3 in high school i think and so <laughs> like so and i'm old
0: wait you so, played like it, you didn't play it in high school you played it in middle school you don't think so no it was i mean oh, you yeah, might have yeah, played yeah. it in yeah, high school yeah. but like it came out when we we were like i yeah, was no 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 i was 11 yeah, i think you're right when it came out
1: you're right yes so i played it yes even before then and so it's like it's like come on like this is an old game like and if they're giving it second life they're giving it they're introducing new people to the game who probably didn't play it originally or have been yearning to play it on a on a new platform so the uh the thing is like why not why not embrace this community and engage with this community and let them let them help you promote you know your your games and introduce more people to to this to the GTA universe. I don't understand why they have to come out swinging like this. Like somebody took the time, a group of people took the time to reverse engineer the game so they they had no help. They just like tried to you know figure out how the game worked and reproduce that fresh. And then they're not even like providing like the assets or anything. You have to like essentially Grab the assets from, you know, a game that you've already bought, you know, from from uh, from presumably like some source that has paid Rockstar, unless it's pirated, but that's a different thing entirely. Yeah. I just I feel like this is just I've you've we've seen a lot of these lately, whether it's around this, um, in this case, it's like a modding community in. In the past, it's been, like, emulation communities. And I just think that this is, like... It's just the wrong move, especially with a game that's probably, like... I don't know. We were just talking about, like, maybe 20 years old. Close to 20 years old. Yeah. Like, just... This is not a good look. And I I think that they shouldn't be just suing people who love their game enough to... (laughs) To spend two years like rewriting it, essentially.
0: Yeah. Uh, one of the, I mean, the one of the only things that I think that the developers did wrong is that they have used actual reverse engineering tools, and they haven't like clean room re-implemented the entire thing themselves. That gotcha. like that is kind of a problem, but at the same time, yeah. the game is twenty years old. It literally came out like. A couple uh, months before, uh, after nine eleven, like it, dude. The game is old. Like it's so old. So, on, I mean, even and you know the problem too is like even if Take Two were doing like HD remasters of this game, or or both games, like it's old, and this isn't conf- this isn't conflicting with your market at all like this is augmenting the market for these games these games are still selling on steam because people want to use the new code with the old assets like and even if take two were doing a complete remaster this game like would probably support the high resolution textures and better models and all these things eventually and augment that market too the, it's yeah. it's incredibly frustrating when developers do this because uh, I don't know if you I don't know if you remember when uh, uh, AMR two was uh, was uh, cease and assisted by Nintendo. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah, I do.
0: And it was because they were coming yeah. out with like a, a Metroid Two remake on the 3DS, and it's like yeah. Nintendo doesn't understand their fans take two doesn't understand their fans and i honestly think that like there is a case for fair use here uh for like game preservation i also think that like i don't understand why precedence like in the Galoob versus nintendo uh fight isn't cited more often right because one of the things that like they're saying in their lawsuit here is that um uh that the that the func- the fact that you can mod this version of the game basically encourages users to further infringe the original game and to violate uh their agreements with Take-Two that prohibit such activity and like and the fact that they're adding other cheat codes where does, I read somewhere it says they can't yeah, have new cheat codes that. and it's like well dude in the Galoob versus Nintendo case it was found that it wasn't creating derivative works to use a game genie to modify a nintendo game to to play it how you see fit and i don't see any reason why uh using like if you're not charging for the code that you you know for the reverse engineering work that you're doing and you're distributing you know reverse engineered code on new platforms or on a platform that was originally supported, the PC for example I don't understand how that could be considered a derivative work if it's I I don't get it and also the fact that like they're claiming like that that uh, that the counterclaims to the DMCA's were made in bad faith and were knowingly and deliberately misrepresenting um, to GitHub the contents of the Git repos, I think that this this could be like a free speech argument as well, like anti-slap case. <laughs> Why not throw that yeah. in there too? Like, take two needs to be like smacked down, and these reverse engineering project projects need to be allowed to continue. It's my, ridiculous. My deal
1: is put me you know put me in coach. Like, if I'm sitting there on take two side, the code. Exists un- under a license is, it's it doesn't exist under a license, right? But it says, um, you know, this code should only be used for educational documentation and modding purposes. Um, we do not encur- we do not encourage privacy or commercial use. So um, here's the deal: the I assume GTA three before this, and I have I'd have to check. And this is this is kind of bad take for me, but I assume it's not on Nintendo Switch, PlayStation Vita. And Nintendo Wii U. Okay, like it. Listen, take two. These people just for free ported your game to three new, new uh, platforms. Yeah. There is nothing preventing you from just taking Hiring this now, packaging it, and selling it on those platforms. Yeah. And like, because you own the assets. Hire you own these it.
0: developers. To yeah, do it for don't you,
1: sue them. Yeah, exactly. For God's exactly. sakes,
0: they need to take a yeah. page out of Sega's book. Sega, like Christian Whitehead, right? He was like a huge uh, Sonic fan and a and a modder, and he made his own Sonic engine. And instead of suing them or suing him, Nintendo brought him on board, and now we have Sonic Mania. Yeah, these guys are idiots. This is the problem. Okay, like nintendo like the executives at nintendo aren't gamers the executives at take two aren't gamers they see things as business at at least a few people at sega are gamers because they see this and they're part of the community and they actually care they're not going to sue people for making fan games of you know sonic the hedgehog fan games even when like (laughs) <laughs> There's so, like some of the official Sonic games suck, and the fan games are way better. So, second <laughs> no is we're not going to sue our fans. Yeah. It's bananas to me. I don't understand.
1: Because why would you? Somebody plays this, they get bored with this after you know a few weeks, and they're like, okay, I will I'll buy GTA Five. Yeah, like <laughs> that's uh, you know like that's a progression. That's what happens to me at least whenever I play like even like the the open source like versions of like popular games from whatever yeah and i'm like i'll play them and i'll play them until i'm tired of them and i will be like oh yeah i want to play the the like thing that this is based off of or the original or whatever you know and yeah I, I buy them they don't they don't take away from like anyway Dude, we beat this dead horse but even man, this kind of stuff
0: even electronic arts knows better than to sue their fans do, do you you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm going to talk about? No, I don't. Okay. Uh so there's this thing called OpenRA. <laughs> and you can play uh Red Alert and you can play Dune 2000 and you can play uh the original Command and Conquer and it's open source and the game like because because a couple of years like many years ago now Electronic Arts made uh uh the original command and conquer and uh red alert available as freeware open is just freely distributing the the assets for these games too uh, <laughs> a couple of years ago uh, an ea executive showed up on like the OpenRA website and just like with a blog post saying you guys are fans of command and conquer and uh we want to, like, work with the community because we're making a Red Alert remaster. Or a, com- uh, a CNC remaster. And uh, the community, like, I, everyone was kind of scared at that point. Like, who is this Electronic Arts guy? And why is he on our open source projects, like, blog, <laughs> you know? But, like, Electronic Arts knows. Don't sue your fans.
1: Yeah they're your fans the they're project... going to, they're trying to they're trying to like prolong the life of games that they love that yes. you produce like just like let them do that and like help them and in in the business side of me so you know and I'm used to like thinking about how you like monetize open source is like there are lots of opportunities to take what they've done build upon it mm-hmm. create community create products, you know, like, if this GTA mod, like, they could be, like, creating content for this and selling it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yep, they could. They could use but. this as the base of an HD remaster for both games. They yes. could hire these guys to do the do all of the porting work. But they're not going to because yeah. they are idiots. Anyway, yeah, we've we've beat yep. this one to a dead horse. <laughs>
1: uh, although I'm like I'm like, but we're I, I think time will prove us right. I think, oh, of course. I think we we've already seen like that. This really has kind of a not a great effect on the reputation of these companies. No, and people are going to, you know, they're they're gonna remember this when they make their purchasing decisions because i i know you know like with some of the nintendo stuff um that weighed pretty heavily on me and you yeah.
0: know yep
1: yeah has influenced my my purchasing decisions so
0: yep yeah it's disgusting these guys are idiots anyway um i want to know what you everybody in the audience thinks let us know hit us up at, at net. <laughs> send us your rage
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and uh you know if the audience has anything they want to get our take on like uh you know we yeah. could see if if we get anything good we'll maybe we'll read it out on air and and talk about it um i'd be curious to just hear what what folks thinks about some of these things that they disagree like you know yeah. maybe if you if you've got a good enough take we'll read it out
0: Definitely. All right. the 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 next story on our list here. What do we got, my friend? Vivaldi.
1: The Vivaldi. default browser on Manjaro. Yeah.
0: Linux Cinnamon uh, edition. Nice. So, <laughs> I
1: put this in here, um, guys. I want to. I I just want to remind the Linux community of something, and the open source community, and of something. I've been hearing a lot about this the past. Well, I don't know how long it's been in the news, but I feel like I've at this point I've just heard a, about it so much, and I have to tell you all something. Vivaldi is not the darling. <laughs> browser <laughs> of Linux. It's not. It's not even a completely open source browser. And I know that like some people have convinced themselves that like because of their blog posts that it's like, oh yeah, it's ninety percent open source. Yeah. All of the stuff that isn't made by Vivaldi is open source. And they're not willing to open source the ten percent that they made, but they're willing to take yeah. advantage of the ninety percent that they didn't make in order to And then they're like, oh, yeah, we love open source. No, they don't. If they did, they would open source their work that they have made on top of the shoulders of giants. So I'm sorry. I if this offends people, you can use whatever you want, but stop telling me that they're the most I've heard somebody say they're the most Linux friendly browser. No, they're not. They're not like uh, I'm over at Mozilla. There's a lot of thought and it for as a percentage of market share there's a ton more thought put into linux than than the market share warrants yeah but that's because most of the developers making firefox are running linux yep and so like that like firefox we don't have a 10% that's closed source it's all open source um you know so i don't i just I'm not on board with this, like... Vivaldi is, like, the the most Linux-friendly browser or whatever, you know, spin has been put on it lately. Like, no, they're not. I'm sorry, Manjaro Cinnamon, but please ship a true, completely open-source browser on your platform again, because that is the Linux way. And that is why, if you, you don't have to ship uh Firefox you can ship there are, there are other you know completely open source um uh browsers in fact i would say some of the most popular browsers yeah are completely open source at least in linux world like chromium uh you can ship uh gnome web you can ship uh, there there are a lot of great ones but like i just um i'm just not I'm not about this and uh, and for some reason I feel like coverage lately has has essentially like made Vivaldi out to be like this this company that can do no wrong and is like a great open source citizen and like that doesn't reflect the reality and so like I don't know man No,
0: like it, it, it's bothersome to me where it's like, like what you're saying, like people say, oh yeah, Vivaldi is like a great open source citizen, but I don't see any evidence of that. Um, And, you know, I got into a little bit of beef with Jason Evangelo about this. Um, I mean, not a whole lot. It was kind of. (laughs) <laughs> playful but at least from my opinion it was playful but he basically said that like people are complaining about cinnamon uh, uh vivaldi uh including vivaldi here um but he said that it's like people complaining about proprietary software like vivaldi is like people singing the praises of uh other closed source applications like steam so i i clapped back and i said dude I think there's a huge difference between something like a web browser, which pretty much everyone needs to use and something like steam, which only certain people have to use and choose to do so. And, uh, and then he, he said, uh, just let people feel good about and enjoy their software choices without be without having them be preached at. And, uh, basically my take is that I think that that's wrong. It's like, it's like, should people enjoy smoking cigarettes? I mean, yes. Like, people should be able to do whatever the heck they want. Like, cigarettes, go for it, bro. But, like, if there are people that love you, they have a right, and they have a responsibility, I think, to shame you for using a product that is specifically designed to harm you. And that is what Chrome is. That is what Vivaldi is. That is what... uh Like proprietary software is Windows using Amazon, like to buy stuff. Like, these are products, Facebook, these are products that are specifically designed to harm you. They are, they, a lot of them are, are, uh, designed to also be as addictive as cigarettes, and they are as destructive to your mental state as cigarettes are to your, uh, and to your privacy as, as cigarettes are to your lungs and your, and your body. And I, I just, I, dude, I, I don't know. I feel very passionate about this. And maybe I am being like one of those toxic neckbeard Linux bros, but like, that's how I see it, man. Like, it's, it's bad. I,
1: I won't go that, I won't go that far, but I just feel <laughs> like with this, with this one, they've given them a pass. Cause I, I, you know, I listened to an interview, I won't say where, but I listened to an interview with the Vivaldi CEO and, and I was, and about their commitment to Linux. And I was just really like put off because it was, it was so, um, it was, it gave him a pass, you know, on this question of like, he's like, we completely support the open source community. It wasn't, I don't know if he said those words exactly, but essentially, you know, he's like, yeah, we're enormous friends. And it's like, okay, all right then open source the rest of your software open source the parts that you built. Like don't give us lip service. Like if you are open source it and like the, and it's not a money thing. Like they make their money just like other browser, some of the other browsers that are out there do on, on um, search deals, you know, the default search engine. And so it's not like it's, it's, Open sourcing it is going to you know hit <laughs> hit their bottom line i mean uh yeah there will be there will be potentially forks, but like I don't know man i just I just like I'm just encouraging people like if you want to support truly open source software and that's something that you care about, then use a browser that is completely open source. Because when you use something like Vivaldi that is saying, hey, we built this on top of open source, but we're not willing to give back the piece that we built, that is like kind of the antithesis of the open source spirit. And so I just don't want to see us backslide into a universe where there is less completely open source software. Yeah and and I just don't think that that, like the premier spot in a Linux distro as far as a browser goes belongs to a a browser that isn't completely open source when there are completely open source alternatives that are really good yeah and so
0: well that's the end of my rant yeah and (laughs) I do have to say I have to qualify. I don't know enough about Vivaldi's, like, privacy and policies and, and their ad s- policies and all that stuff to say that they are as bad as Chrome or anything like that. That's not what I was trying to say. But, like, um, the fact that, like, they have that 10% of their browser that is closed source, though, makes me very skeptical that they actually care about their end user's privacy. That's what I was trying to say.
1: Well, privacy is about auditability. Yeah. And, like... You and uh uh I'm sorry to bring him into this because he I'm sure he wants to be right in the middle of a controversy. But, um, you know, Cassidy um, over at elementary says, yes, you can tell me that you're open source. But unless I can audit that, that cl- or you say that your privacy, uh that you're not collecting any data or whatever. But if you're not open source, I can't audit that claim. And so I don't know if you're actually yeah. infringing on my privacy or not. You can say I'm not but until you until you give us an opportunity to check and make sure that's true, we have to assume that it's not true yeah. um, and so in that in that respect, it's like it's like I assume they're telling the truth, and they are they they are um they do have some mechanisms in order to protect you from being tracked online and things like that but but without the ability to to um to audit you know their special sauce on top of chromium um you know i just wouldn't take that at face value but um assuming that they're even right i just don't like the idea of of them being the the default browser on uh any linux distribution because they're a proprietary browser and there are open yeah. source, completely open source alternatives and i think that's right. that's my biggest problem with it is I'd rather see somebody who's committed to the same values that make Linux successful being promoted on Linux distributions. Yeah. So, there you go.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'd love to know what everybody in the audience thinks. Um, hit, us, hit us up in the comments or send us an email. Show it off top of .NET. All right. Hey, hey, we have one more uh, story to talk about today. Uh, you had yeah. an announcement about Thunderbird.
1: That's right. That's right. I did. Um, so, uh, if you are just tuning in and you haven't caught who I am and what I do for my day job, um, I work as the community and business development manager at uh, at uh, Thunderbird. Mozilla Thunderbird. Thanks. And uh, and that's an email client is also supports rss feeds and, and chat and calendaring and uh so if you know the history of thunderbird we we went from being like a uh project that was uh part of like core mozilla's core focus you know back whenever uh it was like mo- it was like sea monkey firefox thunderbird and these were like these were all like supported by that uh those search deal the the (laughs) google ad money and uh Mm -hmm. and thunderbird uh what was it a few years ago more than a few years ago now like seven or eight years ago yeah they said they said hey um we're really not sure essentially they said hey we're really not sure if um email clients are uh a part of the future of the internet and the web and and uh, how users are gonna use their computer. So they gave the Thunderbird project over to their the Thunderbird community. And they did still provide a lot of support, which is a part of the story that that gets missed. You know, they still allowed the use of their build infrastructure and a lot of their expertise of a lot of their developers and um infrastructure engineers to make sure that Thunderbird was produced and and uh made it out and and uh consistently was available um but you know they just weren't leading the development the community was and uh and in the past few years I've been there for now almost 4 years and uh for the past few years uh the project has really come back thanks to user donations which are have been very significant and uh and as such like thunderbird's been getting a ton of uh updates bug fixes and new features and one of those new features that is in the nightly Thunderbird build, so you can go to the website, and, and if you scroll down, there's an option to download um, the beta or the nightly release. You can use the Matrix protocol for chat in Thunderbird. That's awesome. And uh, it's, it's working. I've started using it. We, we, we talk via Matrix, our team does, as well as email, obviously. Yeah. And uh and I have started using it in Thunderbird, and it is awesome. It's it's still very IRC-esque yeah. um, because that's the base we had to build upon. So, like, the experience is very IRC-esque. But now, as of yesterday, the reason this is significant is we had Matrix working for a while, but end-to-end encrypted chats are now supported, and you can verify the session between your sessions because that's how they share the keys is they... They ask you to verify the new session on a somewhere where you've got an old session, which allows for the sharing of those the encryption keys. Mm-hmm. And so now that that's working, I feel like the experience is good enough that I would encourage you if you're just curious about uh, Matrix and and want to see what like we're working on in Thunderbird. We've got a ways to go as far as like feature parity with other Matrix clients, but but this is like the the best um, minimum viable product you know at this point um, and that we've had and uh, I would encourage people if you're already using Thunderbird for instance for email consider um, downloading nightly and trying out the new Matrix integration because it's really cool I, that's what I want to say it's just is really cool like I'm so jacked for being able to use like My email and my chat in the in the same application, and hopefully, like hint hint, eventually be able to share stuff between chat, email, and calendar seamlessly, and and be able to like, I don't know, kind of tie those different avenues of communication together in a way that seems seamless. Definitely, cool stuff happening at Thunderbird. Give it a try. We need beta testers anyway. We need. I guess you're alpha, technically like an alpha tester right now. But if you're yeah. interested in that, so friend of the channel, out nightly. Let us know what we run into, and uh, yeah, I just think that's cool and couldn't couldn't go a day without talking about. It.
0: Yeah, dude, that that that's really awesome. I'm very excited about that. Uh, Matrix is cool, and uh, I'm like a big fan of Thunderbird as well. So that'll be that'll be sick. Yeah.
1: I think it's going to be. We'll talk about this, I'm sure, in future episodes. But right now, um, we're hammering out the roadmap for. So Th- Thunderbird does yearly. Uh, they're called extended support releases, mm-hmm. um, which is just a yearly a release that's supported for a year. So there you right. go, and uh, and that's our stable release. And some of the things that we managed to get into this release, this past release that just came out a month ago was really amazing. But uh what the things that the things that we've been laying the groundwork for and that you'll see in the next release are just incredible. And really? the stuff on the roadmap that we know we're going to get is just like it is going to make for a a amazing uh, Thunderbird experience and I think we're seeing now that you know our community is getting really excited about it because all of this work we put in is starting to you know make the platform upon which we could build new experiences in Thunderbird that that retain what people loved about Thunderbird but also allow you to seem like a, a you know just a superhero Mm -hmm. Like there are things you can do with email that just make you look super cool. And, uh, and I'm just absolutely just, (laughs) I have so much like electricity running through me lately for like what we're going to be able to accomplish. And that's so, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's my, that's my, uh, my plug for my, my project that I, that I love and I work on every day. Um, if you haven't tried out Thunderbird, go check it out. Thunderbird.net.
0: But, Definitely. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and it comes with my <clears throat> my highest recommendation as well. Thunderbird is, is rad. <clears throat> but, uh, Ryan, I think that's everything that we wanted to talk about today, isn't it?
1: That is. That is everything. Yeah.
0: Um, if you guys uh, like the show, make sure that you uh, share it out there. Let people know about what we're doing here. The podcast that we... Uh, that we put a lot of time and uh, love and effort into Uh, you know we're on YouTube Uh, we have a YouTube channel where we post uh, I guess we're going to start posting clips on YouTube uh, rather than the whole thing Um, and uh, also on we have offtopical.net obviously we're on um, iTunes or I guess it's not iTunes anymore whatever the heck it is Uh, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify and we have an RSS feed that we host ourselves as well um, so if you want to subscribe, do it there. Um, Did you
1: say Pocket Cast? Pocket Cast is my my go-to on Android. Just telling you, if you're not using Pocket Casts, now it's owned by Automatic, cool yeah.
0: company. So give it a try. Yeah, we have. Uh, yeah, you can get the show on Pocket Cast with the RSS feed for sure. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that's gonna do it for this episode. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we enjoy uh, spending time with you guys. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Cool, cool. Catch you next week. (laughs) Awesome.